What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, September 5th, 2021, and this week's episode, Legends Look to Shine at Triller Fight Club. We'll go back to this Saturday and UFC Vegas 36, Derek Brunson taking out Darren Till, and the rest of the UK's talent just having a heck of a night. We'll also talk about the latest in MMA news, the finally targeted date for Charles Oliveira against Dustin Poirier, and we'll cap it off. No major MMA, but we do have several Hall of Famers in action at Triller Fight Club, and of course, a curveball. So we'll be talking about all of that today. My name is Gabriel, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. We made it through another hot, scorching day in Southern California. Uh, our power went out at 9 a.m. I got really nervous for a while, but then an hour later, it came back up. So we didn't have to suffer too much. We got to stay inside in the AC for most of the day. How about for you? I mean, my thing if power ever goes out is how much power is in my phone. Yeah, first check, Cause, of Because I got a good data plan and... You know, I try to have a movie or two downloaded on there just, you know, just in case any occasion like that occurs. Yeah. And then, you know, every now and then it's like, oh, shoot, I'm at 5%. Just <laughs> and it's, a, the car. it's a storm out. <laughs> no, but um, oh, no, because my biggest fear is, oh, my dumb self would... uh. My phone will go dead, and then because I'm trying to charge it in my car, my car battery will go dead, and I'm going to two-for-one oh it. Um, it's been hot. Like, it's been hot, bro. I don't, uh, you know, uh, I don't check the mail unless I'm really waiting for something. And even then, it's usually Amazon, which will bring it to the door. But yes, yeah. I've been, if it's after 10 a.m., I can pick up the latest, uh, you know, advertisement from my local vendor later. Later. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we got some good MMA to talk about. Um, let's go back to it. I okay, just very bluntly, do you feel like people would have just been more hyped in general if Saturday night took place in front of a London crowd? Oh, for sure, like a thousand percent. The energy that that Molly McCann and Patty Pimblett were bringing, and you know, just them alone, like that would have tore the roof off the place. And then, you know, you got uh, Aspinall and, of course, the main event. Like, yeah, it would have been 100% better. Uh, I, I got to say, you know, like, I, I know the UK loves a good time. If Darren Till had taken out Brunson, they would have, like, you know, what, like, they would have been tweeting, Dana, we'll risk the COVID. How could you take this away from us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, like, I, it, it was such a great night for the UK fans and... I I really you know I know people had some feelings. I'm glad they kept it on UK time. This was supposed to be their show, and you know, as a fan, I was like, you know what? I'm glad they kept it for them because that really sucked. I mean, and it leads to the main event. They tried like twice, three times to get Darren Till to bring the UFC back to London, and COVID just did not allow it to happen. Remember, they were talking about this for like, um, I want to say April or May. And then they just very bluntly, no, nah. like, I, I didn't even think they said that Darren was hurt. I I know he was, but 
I felt like they almost literally just said, no, well, we can't make it happen in May. So we're just, you know, it's not going to happen. We're just going to move them to September. Just, you know, we're trying to get it back. So the fact that the UK talent was in full effect, I think that um, it's very disappointing that they couldn't get in their home crowd. And I think especially for Darren, uh, I think that he performed really well. I think he knew that this card, really that event was built around him as the centerpiece. I thought he looked very good on the feet. I, I was very impressed with his ability to control the distance. But the end of the, you know, the storyline coming out of this is that he did not have an answer for Derek Brunson on the ground. Just Derek got him down and... I think more than anything, I am shocked that Darren's inability to minimize the damage coming at him. It's one thing when you're underneath a strong wrestler and you can't get them off of you. But, you know, you got guys active guard, keep turning, you know, offer the back, but roll again, back to guard. All this stuff, right? Like, even when it's not going well, a lot of these guys tend to control the wrists and all that. I felt especially, you know, late in that first round... Derek is giving him the business. I thought that he might even get him out of there early. And we saw, you know, a little more of the same in the second round. The third round, I thought it was going to go off. I, I, You know, Till cracks him and he looks like he just gets that spark. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's about to light him up and the UK is going to go wild. And man, does Derek just take that and just really uh, like he... He just went Hulk smash on Darren Till, and that was a wrap. I, I was very, uh, I was very impressed with Brunson's ability to, you know, he overcame adversity. It wasn't a pretty fight for him on the feet. I think that that is going to be something to address as we talk about fights of the top three. But I think that he fought a good fight to stifle and finish a very tough contender in Darren Till. So I was very impressed. Yeah, Derek Brunson's striking, you know, on his feet. It's never been pretty. It's never been beautiful. Like no one's ever going out. No one's ever looking at Derek Brunson fight footage saying like, I want to, I want to, I want to punch like him, but he gets the job done. He, he has power. And if he catches you, it's over. Now he's more likely to catch you on the, on the ground, which is where he, where he did his damage against Darren Till. Um, but you know, it almost doesn't matter that his, that his striking is sort of sloppy because it's effective. Um, and, and then, you know, he has that amazing asset of, of the ground game. So yeah, Darren Till didn't have any answers for the, the weight that Derek was able to just push on him when they were on the canvas, you know, and he knew it. There was that, that moment where they stood back up and, and Darren like patted him on the back, you know, you got me. He, you schooled me right there, and there's nothing I could do about it. And and yeah, you 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 broke down the story really nicely. That Darren Till did have that moment in the third round, but it ended up just being you know a climax with with no end for you know with no victory for Darren Till. Derek Brunson capitalized, turned the tables, and that was all she wrote. It was a really fast tap, and I couldn't tell from the angle that they provided, the UFC provided, but. Um, I don't know if Darren Till, like, if it was just, like, so tight, if it was just a really um, awkward position for Darren Till that it hurt a lot, but it was it was super quick. So that was kind of surprising to me. Not, of course, he doesn't want to, like, go unconscious or anything, but um, it did it did surprise me that he tapped super quickly. 
You know, the one thing I'll say about that, I think that he knew he was done. And, you yeah. know, uh, and uh, I'll say this. At that point in this particular fight, you know what? You live to fight another day, right? Like, why am I going to, you know, why? like, what am I going to do? Fight him off after he just really, you know, turned him into beef tenderloin. You know that hammer that they used yeah, to stick yeah, really the over the steak? Yeah, Exa- the exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, he took a bit of that before uh, Brunson got the choke in. Um, you know what? I, I think he knew he was out. Do I? He just knew he was done. And I think that uh, I, I don't think that he needed to go out on a shield and just <laughs> bleed, you know, like give me sleep or give me death. No, you know, that fight was over and that was fine. You know, I don't think yeah, that he was checkmate, right? Yeah, and mind you, I think he had a lot of time left in that third round, so I don't think he really was looking forward to being under Brunson regardless. So, you know, I got to say that whole sequence, and it looks like Till's going to throw him off the top, and then he ends up being mounted, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you can imagine mentally, like, of course, that I did not just... and, uh, And, you know, Brunson is like, oh, lunchtime. Oh my gosh, so... I don't have a problem with it. Uh, let's start with probably the more fun conversation. Um, and I use fun, um, what is it, uh, relatively speaking. Darren Till, does he still make it to the top of the middleweight division and win gold, Natalie? Oh, yeah, well, why not? I, I'm not going to count him out. I, I, you know, he posted the photo of Michael Bisping, Charles Oliveira, two you know, cur- you know, former current champions who never quit. Who had all the odds stacked against them? Who was who were counted out, and they were able to overcome and win, you know, the ultimate prize in the UFC. So I'm not going to count Darren Till out. He looked, you know, better on his feet against Derek Brunson, and he, you know, we know what he's capable of. He just got he got walloped, like like, and and that was it. You know, that happens. It's not. It's like one of those those times when. You know, you get knocked out and you say, oh, it wasn't my night. Well, this was like a slow burn version of that. I bet he learned a lot and he's going to regroup and he'll come back. He's not out of the picture. UFC, UFC still loves him. They want him to help grow the English market, the European market. You know, they have Patty, but they need the guy. The, you know, they want the guy with the bigger the bigger weight class. And Darren's their guy. They're not going to give up on him. And he's still he's still in the picture now. Is it going to be a climb? Yeah, but I wouldn't count him out, no, sir. Yeah, I think, uh, and I, I'm glad that they acknowledged it on the broadcast. There's only one Michael Bisping, but it's very clear that the promotion has seen him as, look, you know, the face of the UFC in the UK. And Darren, we know his personality and his style. I, I completely get why they go with him. Um, so I, I do think that he's not necessarily going to be on the you know opening up the prelims or all that i think that they're going to find some good spots for him on the schedule what i will say is compared to uh let's say kelvin gastelum who's kind of already run the gambit with the top five i will say that the one thing for darren is that you almost feel like he's like kevin holland like he's got all the qualities you want and if he could just get that wrestling down if he could just keep it on the feet and I think that's really all he needs. Now, look, that's easier said than done. We've been asking it for years, for example, of Edson Barbosa, respectfully. So is that 
something to address? Absolutely. I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek, but Marvin Vittori said, Darren Till, real talk, we wrestle over here, you're invited. I almost was like, wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine Marvin Vittori and Darren Till training and the Instagram on that? But um, I think that that's just really where his game is at. I think he's got all the tools to be a, not just a star, but a great martial artist. He's great on the feet. He's got... He's at the right age where he could use his physicality and speed. He's got all these great qualities. I think that it's just you need to call Habib and see if he'll invite you to the mountains of Dagestan and just rent a, uh, you know, rent a house, rent a hotel, whatever you got to do there. But um, I thought you were gonna say rent a goat. (laughs) No. I did. I didn't want to sound naive, and I'm like, yes, they do obviously have houses and Rent all an that. Rent Airbnb. I, <laughs> I just. I mean, we see all of those, like the cottages and all that, when they do the big sweeping landscapes with Habib and Mahachev. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be like, you know, I can hear Habib, brother. There's no, you know, house in a mountain. <laughs> you know. You drive, you drive three hours to the city if you want to be in a house. It's like, but you know, the fact is, go. You, you want to be in a hub where you know what? Even almost like a, like AKA, you you just want to be somewhere where you're just gonna wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And, and look, he's a very talented guy. I'm not saying he's at a bad team, but he clearly does not have the asset where he's currently at to change that part of his game and that's fine you know like uh, whatever you got to do to improve i'm not saying betray your team i'm just saying if you're gonna be off a couple months let's you know let's hit the wrestling room Derek brunson are you ready for my mma gymnastics again oh yes 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 i'm gonna go you know gold medal simone biles okay okay all right so we know that Adesanya and Whitaker is the, you know, it, that that's the priority. Some people said if Darren Till had won, would he have snuck in against Adesanya? And I'm like, <sighs> possibly, but I really think even Dana White was 60-40 on that. Anyway, Whitaker versus Adesanya, at best, we're probably getting, I'm feeling February for that fight. Okay. So even, let's say, either the winner of that one just first round annihilates them. We're probably not going to see the winner back in the cage unless they're thrown a big bag of cash until June, July next year. So that from right this moment is roughly 10 months. So Derek says he might want to wait. The one thing I will say is that if Adesanya wins, that's the best for Brunson. Because the only other competition is uh, Vittori and Costa, who are already coming off, you know, who are set to fight in uh, October. Whitaker wins. Now suddenly it's uh, more challenging because he's going to have his eye on the Vittori and Costa winner. Plus Brunson Cannoneer, because I beat him last year, it's not going to be there. So, for my money, Derek Brunson, stay ready, because you don't know if you'll be a backup. But more than likely, you got 10 months. I could definitely see the UFC saying, uh, look, the fact is, uh, you guys are going to have to stay active. Either fight 
Jared Cannonier or risk seeing this title shot just evaporate? Yeah, that seems likely. You know, 10 months is a long time and it seems like it'll play out that way. You know, if champ- the championship fight is until around February, like you figure. Um, Derek Brunson's going to be going to, you know, look, he's either going to piss off the UFC and say, I'm not fighting anyone until you give me the title shot, in which case, you know, they're not going to give it to him. They'll find any way to give it to somebody else if he gives, you know, the middle finger to the UFC. So he's in a position right now where he has to just play along, play nice, you know, be the company guy one more time before he can call, you know, before he can dig his heels in. Uh, but I like what you said. Stay ready for the Adesanya Whitaker fight. That makes the most sense for Derek Brunson, as well as just taking another fight while you wait. You kind of just have to, man. That's just where he is right now. I'll also say, you know, when mind you, ten months is generous. That's assuming you know they don't push it back to August, September next year for the winter. Um, I will say that. I think if Brunson waits, I could easily see Jared Cannonier fighting the Costa Vittori winner. And then in which case, let's say Whitaker wins the title. I mean, suddenly Derek Brunson looks less appealing. Um, so I will say that Brunson should probably just set his mind on, hey, Jared Cannonier is one of the top guys anyway. You might be fighting him if you're the champion. Better take him out now. Because you want there to be no question, even if Costa looks good or Marvin looks good, you want to be the number one guy, even if Whitaker comes out with the title next year. So I think uh, he should just really lock in on Cannoneer. And yes, keep his weight down when he hears when the Adesanya fight is going to happen too. So, And there we go. And then I'm cool with it. I think it's been enough time since he bought, fought both uh, Whitaker and Adesanya. Yeah. Did I get the gold medal? You got a like, perfect silver medal. No, you got the gold medal. Yeah, that's a gold medal. You. Like, did I keep track but, of all wait, those is names? This all around? Is this all around? Or... Yes! Freaking. Okay. I mean, respectfully to Team USA, you don't see Simone Biles, uh, you know, bragging about, oh, well, I won the team medal. She's like, I won the individual in this many categories anyway uh, let's talk about some of that fun stuff uh tom aspinall just uh really it, it was almost that delayed ko again um he gets that one on spivak that was a good one that elbow Thanks. yeah N- another big heavyweight prospect um I, I think that he gets a good fight in the next one uh patty pimblet i mean what can you say i mean he really he delivered, I think, the best way. I think his fight had drama. I think we got to see just enough of him that we're like, hey, this guy, he's that kind of crazy. We like it. And uh, he gets a great finish. So uh, I'm happy to see him in the UFC. I think that he's going to get some good stylistic fights. So I'm ready for that. Uh, do you have anything to say on those knockouts? Yeah, the elbow on Aspinall, that was, that, was, that was pretty wicked. Patty Pimblett. Drama indeed, and he even said so in the uh, in the post fight, right? Like, you know, it was a good show. Like he he got into a little bit of trouble. He had to overcome. He showed what 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 he's made of. He says I should probably start letting these stop letting these guys hit me so much, right? But he likes to put on a show, and he did. He did a great job, and like the energy was really awesome. 
Now, his striking is not super slick or amazing. It's a little bit old school where the arms kind of just wing out from the sides, but there's power there, and he gets the job done, or at least he did, you know, here for the UFC, the, the debut. You know, Molly McCann comes running out, and they're, they're just shouting at each other, so excited. It was a great moment. Um, my concern is, though, because, like I said, his striking is has holes in it that, you know, whoever he gets next it's going to be a tougher challenge. Like, I don't think they're going to, they're not going to like plateau his matchups. So it's just going to be going up and up and up from here. And, and he should prepare himself. I also heard that's a thing of his, he, he gets hit a lot. And which is, I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of guys that have that happen. However, you don't want, if you're talking about a year, tell me one UFC champion that you're like, Oh yeah, he gets hit a lot. You know what I mean? Right, they, exactly. they tend to be guys who can avoid being that being in those kinds of fights as much as possible so yeah but look I, i'm excited i think he's going to be good television uh going into that uh khalil roundtree i mean just the uh i don't know what to say about that oblique kick but it, it sent um my guy bukowskis to the shadow realm there yeah, okay so the, let's talk about it do they need to ban it, or is it all fair in love and war kind of deal? I think it should be banned, bro. It's not fair. Now, and the thing is that his was like the worst version of it. You know, John Jones would do it, and it, and other people would do it. And I hate that kick. It's so, it's just mean. Like you all are in there to compete. You knock each other out. You punch someone in the head. You kick them with your shin. That's not mean. It's just the sport. That kick is mean. That kick is like, I want to, I'm coming out here to end your career for no good reason. It's not good sportsmanship. But like I said, the difference between John Jones is from the front, usually he, he, he attacks the front of the knee. This one was like a side stomp. It was cynical, man. I, I really hated, hated it. I can't believe that Khalil did that and wasn't remorseful afterwards. It should be banned you know because it's it's just not good sportsmanship like do you feel what i'm saying like you know you do something like that to somebody you're 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 changing the course of their career forever and for what like you know he was winning anyway it it's dirty i don't like it man i really don't that was that was just wrong I mean, it's very, and I don't, when I use this word, um, it's very cringy, not in the way Henry Cejudo is cringy, but like, like, ah, oh, like n- now it's, it, it almost it takes away from the competition, right? That kind of mm-hmm. oblique kick, especially when I see John do it. And in his defense, usually those kicks look just more debilitating. I mean, you hear Rampage, he said, I, I was messed up for years. I needed a uh, surgery on both knees like extensive because of the damage I took from the John Jones fight. What I will say is when people argue about the, you know, well, it's the same damage as a knee bar, at least the knee bar, you have the option to tap. And what mm-hmm. I've heard is, uh, um, we saw, I don't know if it was Saturday or the last week, but, uh, Jamal Emmers, he kind of had that toe hold. And then the other guy went for the knee bar and, uh, just really tore up the knee Chell Sonnen brought it up once. He said the biggest advice he said is like, you do not feel anything when your knee is about to get torn. You get in the hold, and then if you don't tap, your knee in six months is just a bucket of bolts. Said you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just go zero to 100. There's no like an arm bar or nothing like that. 
so what I will say is uh, when I saw it, it was just vicious. I... <sighs> I don't want that to be a way that we win the fights. And I, I know, like, look, we already... I mean, look, at one championship. You could do the soccer kicks to the head, I think, still over there, right? Yeah. And the oh. knee to the grounded opponent. I know we're in the hurt business. I, I just... when I, For something about that kick, I think the fact that it's like, look, you know, at least you could put your hands up to defend it, uh, stuff like that. Head kicks, stuff like that. That one, because of just the nature of the type of damage it's doing, I, I will <laughs> say, you know, yeah, that's a career ender. Uh, so I, I would, I would strongly suggest to remove it from the lexicon of MMA. Just because, and I'll say this, Khalil Roundtree's in particular was just so much more devastating. That it's yeah. like, you know what? <sighs> I mean, you just made it look too good, Khalil. I'll just say it like that. That's my last point. But um, look, I don't, I don't think he should take... If anything, Khalil comes out looking like more of a killer. Like, hey, you be ready to move and get out of the way. Because you do not want to take those kicks from a guy that good at him. So, that, there we are. But yes, I did come out of that thinking... I mean, I certainly don't want people getting the idea to go for those knees like that. And that's the end of that. There you go. I mean, a good night. Like I said, I would have loved that to be in the UK. I think it would have been just a fantastic show. I, I know I, I was ready to go bananas and I'm from over here, you know. <laughs> like I didn't even drink tea in the middle of the day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, so it was just a very fun night. Like I said, the European talent really just... Uh, had quite the showing molly mccann like you said on the prelims is it's just a good show and we're gonna be set for another one so they have uh, i had a feeling it was gonna go this way i did think it would maybe be 60 40 40 being uh in ganu gone but I, I kind of always felt like this was gonna be the one charles Oliveira against dustin poirier targeted for december 11th that's ufc 269 um, Oliveira, nine-fight win streak, beat Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee, Poirier, seven and one. He has the wins over Connor, two of them. Max Holloway, Justin Gaethje, obviously didn't get the job done against Habib. Also, the card will have bantamweight champ Amanda Nunes against Juliana Pena, Cody Garbrandt against Kaikara France at 125, and Macy Barber against Montana De La Rosa. Uh, Natalie, we'll talk about uh, Poirier Chandler goodness in a second. I always bring it up as a set. What do you think about the pairing of Charles and Dustin and Nunez and Pena as a set to sell the pay-per-view? It's fine. Look, with no offense to Amanda Nunez, but because you know she's so dominant and so um, superior to her weight class, really she is. I mean, come on now. Uh, it's like you're just tuning in to watch how she's going to beat her opponent. So as far as bringing in all the eyeballs for a pay-per-view, it's tough because however she beats her opponent can be summarized in a highlight clip that can be posted on Twitter. So, you know, you book her for this pay-per-view, but you know you need some bigger action, bigger attraction at the top. So really, you know, I can't think of any 
other championship bout that would not bring in more eyeballs over Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena. So it could have been any weight class, but Oliveira Poirier is uh, an amazing matchup. So this is a, a great December pay-per-view. I'm excited for, you know, of course, we would have tuned in anyway if it was just Nunes, but it's it's just, you know, the UFC isn't going to make her deliberately main event a pay-per-view. It would only happen if the main event got canceled for whatever reason. So they had to put somebody up there. I'm glad they were able to make it work or, you know, possibly, hopefully make it work with Olivera Poirier. Um, that's a great Christmas present, I think, for MMA fans. Yeah. Also, I feel like they have to. They'll have to announce it by the end of the month, I think. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to add something like Brandon Moreno against Pantoja to the undercard, because I feel like you know we're gonna have the two titles coming up um, right now with Volkanovski and Valentina fighting. I feel like the the winner of those will probably defend their title as the backup. Or not back up a co-main, you know, to bolster the Nganu gone card, or Whitaker Adesanya. However, they they break that down. But I kind of feel like almost always Volkanovski, and, and I get it. They're putting him putting him over Valentina. I feel like they tend to have him bring like that second, bring the backup to a big fight. Same for Valentina for everything you described with Amanda. So. I feel like we'll, we might get Moreno and Pantoja, but if, if it's just the two of them and they break the schedule down, I also could see that happening just because they have so many big fights coming up and it looks like we're already starting to backlog January and February with Nganu, Adesanya, and all this other stuff. So I kind of could see them doing that too. Uh, as a set, um, yeah, I, I think you just brought it up well. Uh, I think that the real centerpiece is obviously Poirier Oliveira. I think that when you watch Amanda at this stage, the one thing I will say is that if she beats Pena, I want to say that Nunez has 12 in a row right now. <laughs> Do you know that six people in UFC history are tied with 13 in a row? Wow. That's And by the way, you might have heard these of these guys. Habib, GSP... Max Holloway, I think Usman's on there. Um, it's a lot of uh, Demetrius. It's a lot of one-name fighters who are tied for 13. There's only one guy who has more than 13 in a row in the UFC. You want to take a guess? Anderson Silva? Heck yeah, my man. <laughs> Which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah. my point is that I could see Amanda getting number 13 and then she's like you know what let me break the record give me valentina because uh, so i think like this is it i think that if she beats pena after the year she's had i don't know if she's still gonna be like give me aspen give me misha give me somebody like that give me rene give me uh jermaine i don't know uh she could if she really feels like you know what 13 is nice, but I could get to 17. I'm still at the top of my game. Maybe, but I almost feel like she's been at the top for so long. I don't know if she really feels like she needs that to validate anything. Or even if it's just, you know, competitively. Like, 
I know that she has her family and she's coming out here motivated, but when we talk about, well, what'll happen with Kayla Harrison and all that, I do feel like we could be at the breaking point for Amanda. So my point is, this might be the last one before good things to come. And if not, okay. hey, 13 in a row. Like I said, one name people have won 13 in a row. Uh, Double G? T- How ahead. many have you won? <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Last time I was in the UFC, you know, it was a different time. <laughs> different time, different era. Yeah, different reality. Poirier <laughs> um, uh, and Oliveira, I will say this. Top three fights that are coming up on the books. Like, I, I think I put that one. I think, honestly, my top three... Uh, top three, top four, Poirier, Oliveira, Whitaker, Adesanya, Nganu Gan, and Usman Covington. I think those are the four biggest fights to be coming up in the entire MMA calendar. And so, and I put Oliveira, Poirier, probably 1A and 1B with Nganu Gan right now. Just because I feel like it sets up so much. Someone is going to be the man undisputed. And now we're just talking mega fights. So I just see bigger stardom for the winner. And so I like it. And stylistically, it's just such a fantastic matchup. They both have so many weapons between them. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Moving on, it is that time. Like I said, no major MMA events, no major MMA news to talk about. It's not like we had a bunch of fights announced or changed up. But I'm just enjoying... My Friday morning, (laughs) not bothering anybody, and it comes out by TMZ, by the way, which I don't know why, it just sometimes stings, right? I just see them as the gotcha news that when they break real serious stuff, it still hurts me. Um, Oscar De La Hoya is out, which means former UFC champion Vitor Belfort will be fighting heavyweight legend, the real deal Evander Holyfield. What was your reaction to hearing all that? It was wild, man. I mean, when I saw the video that Oscar posted on his Instagram, um, I was like, oh, my God. Like, the English version is he's like, oh, my, my chest, you know. And then if you swipe to the Spanish version, all of a sudden it gets more dramatic. He's like, I'm very, very ill. You know, it's so hard. My, my lungs, you know, <laughs> it's very serious. I got very concerned. For a couple of reasons, you know, for Oscar, of course. But then that's why I texted you. I was like, weren't you just talking to the man not that long ago? So You know how um, many people texted me about that? (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, I have never had so many people, like, concerned for my health. (laughs) Um, I will tell you, as of Sunday, I feel fine. Had a good Mexican food lunch. Tasted everything. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, and uh, this isn't breaking news. If you watch live streams of anything, you saw it. So Oscar was doing one-on-ones with like the network television, you know, KTLA five. You know, uh, I think he might have had a CBS person in Staples Center, and then he comes out. He does the red carpet with the internet media, all your boxing websites, and some. Of, I think I, I'll be honest. I didn't see another MMA person, but they might have been there, and I just didn't see them. And you know, so we're all told to have masks and all that, and for the most part, everyone's doing it. Oscar does not have a mask, 
talks to me, does his... Uh, there was like one person after me, then he did his open workout. And then he greets about a hundred fans outside the ring. Without a mask. And uh, I saw a couple fans without a mask too, and so... I, w- I appreciate the concern. And for my own sanity, I... You know... I am hoping he did not have it when he talked to me, and that's all I'll say about that. But okay, yes, when, I, I am yeah. aware that, yes, uh, it is not lost on me where I was and that he was not wearing a <laughs> I mask. I mean, you were outside, and, you know, I don't know, the clip you posted was short, but how long did you actually talk to him? Five minutes? About a minute, actually. It was. They were kind of shuffling us along, so I gotcha. didn't get... Well, it was the, a great question. Thank okay, you. That you asked him. Um, uh, the, the fans that he greeted, was he like in amongst the people taking pictures you know how was he interacting oh, with he them? was right up with them there's a barrier but you know everyone's getting in tight for that iphone selfie you know yeah that's how he got it so he definitely got it there so you're good <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna um, i don't want to make light of the situation i wish him the best i mean this is still serious but uh yes i am aware and so when i saw the situation i'm like Ugh. Uh, you know, of course I was worried. <laughs> yep. But when I, you know, when people, a lot of people been asking me. I know I got a lot of love on the clip. And yes, so ladies and gentlemen, this is where I was. And then that happened. So that is what I'm choosing to tell myself is that it. I don't know what he's doing outside of training camp. But I will say I did see him exposed to quite a few people at the meet and greet. What else can I say? Yeah, man. I mean, I think... He knows where he got it, and you know where he got it from, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the concern, but yes, it was very... My friends who never want to text me about my work were suddenly like, Hey, Gabriel, I saw you interviewed Oscar. Did you see that? I was like... <laughs> oh, man. How come you guys never ask me when good stuff happens? <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, Evander Holyfield. So what I like about this fight, and we're, I'm going to use it to segue right into it, to be honest. Vitor at about six foot, something like that, um, six one, getting ready to fight five ten Oscar De La Hoya, who has never weighed heavier than one hundred and sixty pounds for a pro fight. They were gonna fight yeah. at one eighty five, where Vitor competed, you know, in his second run in the UFC, fought Anderson Silva, Bisping, Rockhold, guys like that. He now switches to fighting the real deal Holyfield who is 6'2", and last fought at 220 pounds. And now, let's say it like it is, he is also 58 years old, 10 years older than Oscar at 48. And I believe Vitor is 44, we said, 46. Mm-hmm. He's not 47, I know that. Um, this is now suddenly a very different fight for Vitor. And I will say that... Uh, I think people, I mean, we've said it, and Oscar has also come out and said it himself. You know, he's, you know, he struggled with his own stuff outside the ring, maybe wasn't living the cleanest and all that. And he was coming back for his first fight in over 10 years, um, giving up a size advantage. And after the last time he was on the mic for Triller, we wondered, well, just how serious is he taking everything right now, right? That kind of landed to even though Oscar has so much more boxing experience the age and those other X factors did make you feel like Vitor was really a live dog in the fight yeah for sure 
And now he's going in there against Holyfield, who has, you know, respectfully more age, but also all of the size that Oscar did not have. And now, if anything, might probably look like he's dwarfing Vitor. And the one thing about it is that Holyfield is taking this on a week's notice, so I don't know just what kind of shape he is in, but I do expect him to walk around closer naturally to 185 than Oscar did. So this is now a different fight. What are your thoughts? My first thought was, what kind of cash do they throw at Evander Holyfield to take this fight on a week's notice? Like, I know Mike Tyson was wanting to get that that, that fight with him for Triller, they couldn't make it happen. So what do you think made Evander say yes to this fight? Is it like an easy win in his mind or I got nothing else to do or it's a boatload of cash or all three? Um, I was surprised, though, when they when they when they put out this uh, you know replacement like this is a big name. Like they they did. They did good work in in replacing a legend with another legend. And Vitor Belfort's like the lucky guy on the end, on the other end, who almost got to fight Oscar and now gets to fight Evander Holyfield in a boxing match. Um, the moving it from LA to to Florida. So you know, full disclosure, my mom's the one who broke that news to me, and she watches uh, Univision, the Spanish news, and she said, "Oh, you know, the rumor. Uh, well, actually, it's not the rumor. This is the conclusion that she drew, which is, she said they reported that the ticket sales at Staples Center were low." And, and she says, you know, Oscar, I think he might be exaggerating his symptoms <laughs> because he didn't have a mask on, an oxygen mask or anything, and, and, and now they're moving the fight to Florida. So, so my mom has this whole conspiracy theory. I don't agree with her for the record. Uh, I think Oscar really has uh, been smacked down by COVID. Um, but it is interesting to me that... Mama Zamudio, uh, you're a savage. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's like like the jagged knife in the back. I know. Well, she's a nurse, so she's like, you know, he should have oxygen. I was like, Ma, he sounds really bad. Like, I believe him. And so, whatever. She she thinks it's because the ticket sales were low at Staples, and that's why he he pulled out of the fight. Uh, Let the record show, once again, I don't agree with that. But in any case, um, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning, which is to say, it was a it was a great replacement that Triller made here. I mean, this is a big name. People are going to want to see how this looks. I mean, I'm going to respectfully say my plans were changed. I was getting ready to enjoy the Staples Center and see Snoop well, Dogg yeah. in my backyard and yeah. sleep in my own bed. And uh, <clears throat> now I will be, well, I will be doing some of those things, but not the more fun ones. Um <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I know. I, I also agree. I believe he got sick. I don't think he would have pulled out at this stage um, with all this stuff going on. How do you think the ticket sales were going, in all honesty? Honestly, I have no insight, but, but according, according to uh, my source. You and, I, you and I feel the, honestly, the buzz. Like, do you think people were paying, you know, 80-ish dollars for the nosebleeds and filling it up? Honestly, dude, I would have thought yes. I was surprised to hear from my mother anyway. I never corroborated it, but I was surprised to hear the ticket sales were, were low. Oscar is huge in LA, man. Like, who doesn't want to see him? He's the golden boy, East LA. Like, I really thought people were going to show up for this fight. What I will say, um, and, and we talked about this a little bit, is that Oscar, at this stage of the game, I think that it was very telling that they picked two people who have been living in 
Southern California and Tito and Anderson and also two living legends like that to the undercard. I felt like that was a very, I think the timing of it, you could tell that Tito didn't have a long time that he heard that the fight was going to be at 195 pounds. And um, I think the fact that that was it, I'm I'm not saying it was going to be crickets, but I don't know if they necessarily had that packed house that maybe they were hoping after putting the money up because you know that Tito and Anderson don't come cheap. They right. just that's one thing is they know they can go other places and someone will throw a bag of money to have them perform for their show. So I think that that's one of the more telling things about it. I'm not saying that Florida and Evander has this magic draw at one week's notice that Oscar didn't, but um I do think that that might, uh, you know, could that be one of the reasons they're moving the show from L.A.? They feel like, hey, look, this is just, um, we don't feel as strongly like, oh, we really need to keep the show in Los Angeles. I think that's a part of it. I want to say, uh, maybe you've seen it. I don't know how much research you did. Is Evander training and living in Florida now? I I, I know. No it's, I want to say it's not L.A. I feel like I've seen him do stuff and it's never in Los Angeles. He could be closer to Florida and that might be one of the things about it. But if I had to put my finger on it, I think that if they knew they had a sold out Staples Center, they would have done something else with Vitor. They would have tried to find somebody who for sure would take the fight and just to keep them in L.A. I think the fact that they moved it so easily... um, that to me is more of a sign of something else. So I, I don't like I said, I don't know how many tickets were sold in L.A., but I feel like that's a big factor on why they so easily moved it. <laughs> and yes, um, I'm not sure. And mind you, I'm very glad that 58 year olds, no matter who they are, <laughs> respectfully, are being sanctioned for bouts um, like they're getting like they're ordering pancakes. So, yeah, just go to Florida. Yeah, which. <laughs> Hey, look, I'll tell you this. When I went to Jacksonville, they're happy in Florida. Like, they they know, like, look, I mean, it's non personal, but we're glad that we run it. Yes, we kind of, we know we put our life in our hands and we take some risks, but we're okay with it. And I'm like, well, that's everything I need to know. Yeah, you know? I mean, good for you. <laughs> Let's talk some X's and O's. Vitor, um, I, I think the biggest advantage is that he's been training and I think at the, the disadvantage, now that he does, now that he's at the size deficit, that smaller triller ring really is going to cause him problems. Because that's the biggest thing about it. I've seen it. It really does feel like, like a junior sized ring when you've seen the real, the real thing. All that aside, I think that he's younger. He's obviously competed uh, more recently. He's just closer to his athletic, um, and not just athletic prime, but athletic status. You know, it's one thing to stay in shape. It's another thing to be in fight shape. He's closer to his days of being in, being and staying in fight shape than Evander. All that aside, we talk about in Evander Holyfield, a guy who's forgotten more boxing than most people have ever known. So I think that even though Vitor is probably expected to be faster, younger. Um, he is younger. He's not expected to be. <laughs> I think that Evander knows that, hey, look, hands up, chin down. 
set it up and just keep kind of using that physicality just push Vitor to the corner to the ropes and just let the size do all the work I believe it's still going to be eight rounds or six rounds he's still got the size advantage and if he's been I remember he was going to do the exhibition earlier this year if he's anywhere near in shape he knows look just make my body work for me wear on him tie him up, hold him up. The only the, the only fight that Evander really loses is waiting for Vitor to come in and trying to be faster. I mean, he might even be good enough to do it, but obviously that's given Vitor the best chance. I think that Evander, look, size, you don't need much more. And just work from there. What about you? Yeah, I think Evander has to kind of scare Vitor from the beginning, just bully him. I'm the pro. I'm the bigger guy. You know, this is my world. And just use his power. Stick to the basics, right? Jab, cross, some body work, and just get Vitor hurt. Like, just start hurting him right away. But but within a keeping a close distance, I think if he tries to, you know, gauge distance and, and work things out, it's not going to benefit him. I think he just has to kind of charge in, be aggressive push punch corner him you know just be a bully and and i think that's going to be the best route for evander to to get the job done which i think he will um i i'm going to just go ahead and say i predict a fourth round knockout actually by evander holyfield i'm gonna go a decision for evander um, more or less, I think that he's staying in shape because I think he knows that he doesn't want to be coming off the couch. I think there's big money in Tyson Holyfield 3. I think that if you you package it right the way they did uh, Tyson and Jones with Jake Paul and all that. I think that there's big business there. I think that they would totally do it. And I think Evander knows, go out here, do the boxing versus MMA thing look good me and Tyson we just sell nostalgia by the boatload and we make some money so I think that he has been training enough I'm not saying he was in fight shape last week but I think he's been working enough that uh he's gonna be in the good shape he needs to be to use his size against uh, Vitor like I broke down earlier um, moving on, the co-main event. This one, I'll, I'll be honest, I think most of the MMA fans are way more excited for this than they will be Evander. Um, and Vitor, respectfully. Tito Ortiz, Anderson Silva. Tito, I want to say he said he's still over 200 pounds as of Friday when he did an interview. And then he's coming down to take on one of the best strikers in all of combat sports in Anderson Silva. Um, Tito, one of the things going into the... A fight his size he's naturally going to be just a more just he's just a bigger athlete and even though he's cutting weight I do think that that's going to have an effect on him I don't know if he's going to feel as strong after having to deplete himself to 195 but he will be the bigger man after rehydrating I think on fight night secondly size and durability it's very very it's been hard historically to put Tito Ortiz down. He's just a bigger guy. He's more durable. I know people. I know what people say. Why it's hard to take him down. I think that's just rude. He can also be tough. It's not, you know, the cranium. But the fact is, he's a hard guy to put down. 
Anderson Silva, if there's one thing about him that's the X factor, yes, he's slick and he has all this boxing. He has not been as durable in recent years. I think that's a fair thing to say. And in that bit smaller triller ring, Anderson moving around and doing the thing that he does, that's going to come a lot less often. What I like about it for Anderson is that I do still think that he has just the technical prowess to make Tito work. It's going to be kind of similar to Evander and Vitor, though. He's got to stay out of the corner. He's got to stay off the ropes. I do think that Tito knows at the end of the day, you just really got to throw more. I think that's something he saw out of Chavez Jr. And I think that he knows being the bigger man, bigger gloves, that's going to be the key. And I think that he knows try to pressure and work with Anderson. If Anderson is good enough with his counter striking, Tito won't be able to close the distance. If he's struggling with that for any reason, suddenly this fight really is more of a pick em fight just because we know that Tito's so much bigger than Anderson. So that's how I see this one. What about you? Oh boy, I kind of want to hear your pick first. Why? That's so mean. You know what? Um, <laughs> look, there's a lot of reasons to pick Tito that are obvious, but when you talk about we got a pure striking bout, and it's Anderson. I've never picked against Anderson. He could be taking on the aliens like Michael Jordan in Space Jam. And I would still say Anderson Silva unanimous decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've never picked against him. But I also think uh, honestly not going with my heart. I think that stylistically Anderson's going to have a few more punches. Set up a few more angles in the middle of the ring. That Tito just... Tito's not going to be able to catch up to him as easily. And... Anderson's just going to outpunch him. Not by a lot, but enough to say that that's not a robbery when he wins the fight. Unanimous decision. Okay. Yeah, I actually agree. Um, unanimous decision for me, Anderson Silva too. I I do, you know, I will say because Tito has such a, you know, plentiful, such just, just great big plentiful skull that um, it's going to be hard to knock him out. And Silva doesn't want to if I'm Anderson Silva, I don't want to stand there and try to knock him out. I want to stay agile. I want to be the best Anderson Silva, you know, evasive head movement that I can be. And, you know, but but also stay alert. Like, because Tito, I expect to be sort of slow and lumbering. But if he hits you, it, it will hurt. And I don't want to see Silva felled by Tito Ortiz in a boxing match or ever, period. So I hope that Silva can just fight smart stay elusive do damage where damage is you know is is open for him to to do and and win it there i think there's going to be like flashes of of or moments of flash from silva but i think he's going to try and you know really be cautious here and, and well not cautious but fight smart he's going to fight smart he wants to win and he doesn't want to get blown up i agree with all of those things i think that you got it uh i think we're, it's pretty straightforward like I said, I think that one's just got the more likely to be more competitive than any of them. And I know they're bringing back Joe Fournier and David Hay and they're doing some other stuff. But I think the MMA crowd knows that we're showing up to see the legends in action at the top of the card. And once again, with no UFC, I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked. I think that somehow the fact that and prior to obviously losing Oscar... 
the fact that you had Oscar De La Hoya who's going to shine on a night where there's no UFC and we know their beef with Dana. Um, the fact that they have it on this weekend, I think is just as perfect as you could get for them. Um, I, by the way, uh, uh, what do you think? Masvidal in Florida? You know, the, the last supper of uh, combat sports commentating, as you've dubbed it. Snoop will be there. I mean, I, I want to hear... I want Masvidal. I want Pitbull. I want... um. Who's another... Gloria Estefan. Gloria would... Estefan, yeah. <laughs> J-Lo. Hello. <laughs> bring him out there. Just, um... That's funny. Is Monadol, is that is that he going to be there? He should be. I mean, they're, yeah. in, they're in Florida, and I heard they postponed his uh, game-bred MMA, so I hope so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm going to uh, go Pitbull, Masvidal. Um, we need, like, another chick. <laughs> Just uh, I'll go J Lo. Yes, there we go. Masvidal, J Lo, um, Pitbull to join all the people, Mauro Ranallo and all that for the thriller commentating. That's what I want. No, oh, I I remember I like uh, Jane the Virgin, Gina Rodriguez. Oh, okay, okay. And her her her, her, her Betty White, but I her, like that too. Her dad used to be a boxing referee. Uh, he refereed oh, Pacquiao's cool. fights. I want Gina Rodriguez on the call. There we go. You think they can get Rosie Perez, or is she like, nah? That's, they can get like, Rosie. I'm, I'm, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, do you have any other requests to commentate the event? Uh, well, Oscar De La Hoya from his hospital bed. No, I'm just <laughs> oh, that <do> you mean? <laughs> I love Oscar. I really hope he he's okay. Just just want to put that out there. Anyway, is that that's your pick? Just Oscar. Just Gloria Oscar. No, Stefan. Betty White. Gl- Betty, no, White. Betty White and Rosie Perez. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, next week, it's actually a very cool doubleheader. Um, we've got in Bellator, Phil Davis welcomes Yoel Romero to the promotion. And then in UFC action on the same night, so they're going to go head-to-head on a rare Saturday, uh, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. Um, I like Anthony's just resurgence. I think it's been cool to see. Ryan, he's still kind of looking to have that breakthrough and see if he could put it together and start getting into that conversation at light heavyweight. And then um, when it comes to Yoel Romero, you just kind of want to see if he's still drinking the fountain of youth, you know? Because like, mm-hmm. as long as he is, he's still a handful for anybody. And... We don't know when that wheel is going to fall off, but we just don't think it's going to be Saturday. So what about you? No, man, I'm with you. The resurgence of Anthony Smith, that intrigues me. The longevity of Yul Romero also intrigues me. So I'm right with you. I mean, then there we go. We have nothing more to discuss. That's the end of the show. We'll be back next week to break down everything the results the news and everything in between and of course we'll predict and you know just recap all of the fights coming up so until then guys have a good one we'll be back